0: Father, give us a growing faith, give us a a growing understanding about these matters. Thank you for the promises of your word, and and, uh, just thank you for the great salvation that we have in Christ that makes these truths that we've been singing about possible. Father, it's with great joy that we take our Bibles now and study together. Thank you this Mother's Day for our mothers, and I pray your blessing on each one. Encourage and strengthen, and just help us to be... um, So grateful for your good plan and all the many blessings you've poured out upon us through our mothers. Bless and encourage each one. Father, we um, count on your Holy Spirit accomplishing your purposes during this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. During the 1980s, there was a great swell and rush of leadership and self-help material and books and one that came out that in actually was very helpful was by a leadership guru and a, a personal coach by the name of Stephen Covey some of you are familiar I'm sure with his books and his works he has passed away since his most successful book was a book that came out in 1989 and it, and it sold rather quickly over 25 million copies in print of a book entitled, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. 25 million copies in print, 15 million audio copies translated into 38 different languages. And I suspect that the title alone was part of the reason that it sold. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. In other words, how to be a success with your life. Look at effective, successful people, copy what they do, ingrain their habits in your life, and you too will be a success. Well, it is very helpful material, but I have some news for Stephen Covey. About 4,000 years before he ever wrote his book, God gave us a self-help list. It's in Exodus chapter 20, and it's in the form of 10 words. It's called the Decalogue. We know it as the Ten Commandments. Will you turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 20? And interestingly enough, today, as we are on our fifth of these Ten Commandments, we fall on a very important principle that I want to challenge us churchwide wide could be thought of as really the first habit of all people who want to be successful. Because if you don't do this, the odds are you are not a very successful person. If you're a young person and you don't do this, the odds are you're setting yourself up for a life of downgrade and grief. And embedded in this list of Ten Commandments is a principle of honoring our father and our mother, and it comes with a blessing. And therefore, this habit or practice so that we can be effective, successful people. Not just to make money or to lead a business, to make more sales, but that God would be able to look at us and and bless us. Let's read our text this morning. In fact, I think it's a good time to just uh, read the entire text. Um, beginning with verse one, and just remind ourselves of where we are on our list of our Ten Commandment studies uh, that will continue in the weeks ahead by God 's grace. We remind ourselves the origin of these words, and God spoke Exodus chapter 20, verse one, and God spoke all these words, saying, "I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery." For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now our verse for today, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. What a great verse it is, and I think that it's interesting that on Mother's Day, you won't believe me, yes you will, you know your pastor well, that I didn't plan ahead for this command to fall on Mother's Day, but I think uh, what a great text for our Mother's Day, that we would honor our father and our mother, and today being Mother's Day, let's particularly have our mothers in mind as we benefit from this great challenge and this instruction from God. I want us to look at our verse today, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And I want us to learn at least three very valuable lessons that will highly impact our lives. The first one I want you to see as we read is that there, it, it begins with the concept that there is no age limit given to the verse. Our first valuable lesson is... Number one, our personal responsibility, our personal responsibility. I want you to notice that there's no indicators in the verse that this is somehow an interruption to the list as though Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments from God and, you know, it's pretty heavy material and he's just wrapped up this lengthy uh, word about the Sabbath and keeping it holy, making it holy, and all of a sudden Moses kind of interrupts God and says, hey, wait a minute, why don't we throw something in here for the youth and the children? You know, Some of them don't go to junior church and we need something in there for the kids. It's not there. I want you to get that out of your head that this is a kids verse. This is a people verse. This is for all of God's people regardless of age. But I do want to challenge the young people in the audience today that there is a very valuable principle here that the younger you are, as you commit yourself to the honoring of your father and your mother the greater opportunity that God has to pour out His blessing upon you and to keep you from the negative effects of sinful choices and decisions that arise from disobedience and foolishness and disregard from our parents' instruction. And so, yes, there's a great application to young people here today, but I want you to see, first of all, that this is a personal responsibility for all of us of all ages. All of us who have living parents And I think even in a sense, those of us whose parents have gone on before us have an obligation to honor them. It is a command of God that we honor our father and our mother. Let's think about the word honor here for just a minute. It's my personal responsibility. I better understand it. What does it mean to honor and what does it look like to honor my father and my mother? Well, I thought of a concept, and I thought of a picture. Let's see if it's up on the screen. Do you recognize that? The tomb of the unknown soldier at Arlington Cemetery. It's a very moving place to be. And it's, um, it's the kind of place where if you go, you, you never forget it. Do you notice that it's raining? It's raining hard. Look at the men. They haven't moved one inch from their spot. Everything exactly the way they're supposed to do it. When we think of the word honor, you need to understand that the word honor itself comes from the idea of giving weight to something, something that is heavy. That's the origin of the word honor. It's a heavy thing, a weighted thing. I take it as opposed to something hollow, trivial, light that doesn't matter. Fluff, not fluff, weight, weighty matters. Listen, when you go to the tomb of the unknown soldier, do you know what you don't do there? You, you don't skateboard down those steps and railings. You don't shoot spitballs at these guys. There's a reason they have bayonets fixed. These guys take their job completely serious. And I just think it's an incredible thing to have this place of these nameless soldiers. No one knows. Representative of those who've gone unnoticed and who are unknown, who've given their lives ultimately for great freedom. Some fighting in wars. That indeed, the the balance of freedom around the globe uh, was in their hands. It's a sacred place. It's a serious place. It's a place that's given much weight. It's quiet. People are quiet. During the changing of the guard, you stand still. You watch. Why? Because we give, what's the word? Honor to these unknown soldiers. That's the mindset that I want you to have as we look at our text today. As we honor our father and mother, I want you to recognize that it is to have a seriousness, a gravity, a weight to it. It's not something that is just fluffy and light. So especially young people, don't think that it's just like, oh yeah, I can honor my father and mother if I want to. But Pastor Van, you don't understand how absolutely dumb my parents are. You you don't understand how... They are so old. In fact, I don't think my mom and dad even know very much about the world. I think that my mom and dad are like, they're like really naive. And like when they were in college in the 70s and 80s in college, everybody was squeaky clean and good back then. And nobody knows about the world I live in and they don't understand anything. And let me tell you, young people, don't embarrass yourself by saying things like that. Honor. It's a weighty matter. It's to be taken seriously. But I want you to understand, too, that it is something that we as adults need to do as well. One of the things that I need to address, and just uh, comment on it here, I guess, as well as any time, is what do you do if you have parents that are not honorable? What do you do if you have parents that are not honorable? How are you supposed to honor them? I am confident that some of you have stories that are just horrific about the, the grievous parenting that has gone on in your life and how adults in your life have allowed hurt or caused hurt. I was thinking about my, my Uncle Bud and my Aunt Shirley, my mom's sister that I used to work for in Alaska. If you've been around here very long, you know my Uncle Bud stories, right? Well, my Aunt Shirley, my mom's youngest sister, went to be with the Lord this past week. And they had her memorial service yesterday, and I wrote a tribute and send it to be read there. So I w- lived with them and worked for them during my college years. Her husband, my Uncle Bud, was a bush pilot in Alaska. And, and I remember him telling stories. He's a great storyteller. And I just loved hearing all of his pilot stories and plane wreck stories and grizzly bear stories. Every once in a while, when we were alone and sitting around a fire, he would tell me stories about when he was growing up. He had a wicked stepfather, a wicked man that tortured the children. They lived in Alaska in the 1930s and 40s in remote areas. And that old man would get drunk and he would take the one single toy or so that that the kids had. And there was a bunch of kids there, blended family. And he would play a game with them. He did this one time and he... He took their favorite toy. They each only had one or two things, and he had a truck or something. His sisters had dollies, and they put their toy. He put their toys underneath a galvanized wash tub, and he set it up to where they had to. He was going to lift the tub up and say, "Go!" and they had to grab their toys. and And so he built a big thing up out of it, and the kids were around. and He lifted the tub up, and they grabbed in there. and He had put a pile of cow manure in there. The kids reached their hands and got their hands in it before they could stop. What kind of man is that? How do you process on the inside somebody that has been horrible to you, horrible to your mother or horrible to your father? I have to tell you, I don't know how you process that outside of Christ. I don't know how you process that outside of the cross where the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. And I don't know how you process that kind of hurt. I don't think there's a psychotherapist that really has good answers for that. Because it's only in Christ and at the foot of the cross where you go, where you understand forgiveness and where you understand how brokenness happens through sin and how brokenness and sin is healed through grace and where you recognize, but for the grace of God, I could be that person. And so I don't know how you do it and I don't have that much advice for you, but I do know that as we study the scripture that... If you have a living parent or even if they're deceased, then you find it very difficult to think about them and they are not honorable and you don't like to visit their grave. That at some level, um, God in his grace will bring clarity as you seek it through the cross and find the ability to forgive at a certain level. We're taught in Scripture to honor age, those who are older than us. We're taught specifically um, to honor those who've given us life. And so I don't know how you do that. And I trust that the Lord will somehow give you a perspective through His grace and through His word and through the doctrines of our salvation and forgiveness to be able to put those things in perspective. But by and large this morning I'm addressing and speaking what we might call the normal Christian home if there is such a thing. Kind of the average family where basically things get along pretty well and I know there's no perfect families and there's no perfect moms and dads. But basically we're all kind of heading down the right direction and we're trying to do our best and... And in the context of the home, which is God's design for the family, a father, a mother, children, God calls on us to honor our father and our mother. What does that look like? Let's do a little bit of Bible study real quick, and let's click off five things that will be evident if we are honoring our father and our mother. And I want you to do something for me. I want you to, in your mind's eye, or even on your paper, and you young people are Taking uh, notes, aren't you, this morning? On um, your paper, you could even put. You know how, when you're doing your computer, you can you can bring over a little uh, square box if you want to, and put it next to your list, and you could you can check off your square box list or something. Imagine as we click off this list that you've got a column of two boxes on the left margin of your list and on the one left side it says yes box and the other one is your no box. And so you ask yourself, regardless of your age, am I doing this? Yes or no? Because if you're not doing these five things at some level, then you are not honoring your father and your mother. And if you are not honoring your father and your mother, you're going to see we are not honoring God and you have removed yourself out from underneath the direct command and the direct blessing of God. And I want to tell you that's a scary place to be. You can mock it. You can scoff at it. But I'm telling you it's true. It's rock solid. Here's our list. Of course, we're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 6. Will you turn there with me in your New Testament? And this is uh, an example of how clearly one of the commandments is repeated in the New Testament. We've been talking about that during our series. How one of the reasons these commands given to Israel, their first application is to the children of Israel, as you saw in our verse 12 today, that it may go well with you in the land. It is a promise, specifically, first and foremost, to Israel as they entered the promised land. And if, you want, if they wanted God's blessing, they were to honor their fathers and their mothers. The family structure was important and they were to have a right attitude towards them. But we recognize that it's repeated in the New Testament and it's applicable to the church, it's applicable to all people, even though its first application was to Israel of old. Ephesians chapter 6, look at verses 1 through 4. You know these verses quite well if you've been around church world very long. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Parentheses, this is the first commandment with a promise. We've already seen that that it would go well with you in the land, Exodus 20. Verse 3 quotes again that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Now I didn't see that in our Exodus 20 passage. You have to go to Deuteronomy chapter 5 to see that. In the second giving of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5, he adds that phrase. Direct quote by the Apostle Paul to the Ephesian believers that it will go well with you. It's a command with a promise and that it will go well with you and that you may live long. It's interesting He goes on to say in verse four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The great challenge of being an honorable father will save that one for Father's Day. If you're taking notes, you can write down Colossians chapter three, verse 20. Colossians three, verse 20. He repeats it. But what I want us to get out of Ephesians six that is, that is foundation, that it finds its foundation in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy five, this teaching in Ephesians six is that the first characteristic of of honoring our father and mother is that of, number one, obeying. If I am honoring my father and my mother, then I am obeying my father and my mother. Got your square boxes? Am I obeying or am I not obeying? Am I characterized by a life of obedience so that when my father and mother speak to me, I obey? I obey and I'm paying attention to their words and I move. They speak to me. I do it. I am an obedient child. My father and my mother would describe me as an obedient child. Check. Yes. Check. No. Am I honoring my father and mother? Well, question number one, am I obeying them? Because if I'm not obeying them, I for certain sure am not honoring them. I'm not giving their words weight. I'm not holding them up in high esteem. The second thing that is closely related to obeying, we find these principles in the book of Proverbs, Solomon's book of wisdom, right in the middle of your Bible, find the book of Psalms. And as we check off our list, let's look at Proverbs chapter 1 and look at verse 8. You're going to see this phrase repeatedly in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, by the way, is written in the masculine. It was written by a father to his son. Solomon to his son. Listen, 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 my son, my son, my son. And over and over and over, he tells him to listen and to hear. For example, chapter 1, verse 8 of Proverbs, look what it says. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching." He goes on to call them a graceful garland for your head and pendants like a beautiful necklace around your neck. Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you what? If you receive my words. That's listening. Chapter 4, verse 1. Look what it says. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. And be attentive. That's listening. The second quality of honoring our parents is that of listening to our parents. Quality number one, am I obeying my parents? Quality number two, am I listening to my parents? Quality number three is esteeming or respecting my parents. And I want you to see that these are like building blocks or links in a chain. If you're obeying your father and mother, then you have to be listening to them or you wouldn't be able to obey them. And you wouldn't listen to them if you didn't respect them or esteem them highly. I want you to look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3. Back to the Old Testament again. And then we're going to go back to our text in Exodus 20 nearby. Look at Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3. I told you we're going to do a little Bible study here and go down our checklist. Leviticus 19, 3. Look what his direct command is. Because God is holy, the Lord spoke to Moses, verse 1. Speak to all the congregation and tell them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord God, am holy. That's repeated in, the numer- in numerous times in the New Testament, by the way, First Peter chapter 1 comes to mind. Every one of you, verse 3, shall what? Look at, in the ESV it says, shall revere. You shall respect, you shall honor his father and mother. And you shall keep my Sabbaths, for I am the Lord your God. Do you see what he's doing there? We learned last week that keeping the Sabbath was a very serious thing. And in Leviticus 19.3, he's holding on an equal level, an equal weight... Revering your parents, respecting your parents is equal in weight. Remember, honor means heavy weight. It's equal in weight with that of keeping the Sabbath. God means what He says. And you notice that in the Bible, God doesn't crack jokes. I don't know that it's not that He's not fun. I do know that the Christian life is not first and foremost about fun. There is a great joy that comes in knowing Christ, and we as Christians have fun together. Memorial Day weekend, Bible conference in camp. We're going to have some fun together. It's a good and appropriate thing. But you will find as you study a holy God that he's not goofing around, he's not cracking jokes, and he really means what he says. And so we honor our parents by, number one, by obeying, number two, by listening, number three, we listen because we respect or we are esteeming them. We're back in Exodus 20 and look across the page at Exodus chapter 21 and notice as Moses amplifies and expands upon the giving of the law, Exodus 21, look at verse 15, We're talking about esteeming or showing respect, respecting our parents. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoa. I have never watched a kid hit his parents, at least a kid that was over three or four years old. But I have, verse 17, let your eyes fall there, whoever curses his father or his mother, shall be put to death. On two different occasions, I have stood by, barely able to contain myself from fulfilling the command of the law, as I watched young men curse. On one account, a boy screamed curses in his mother's face. On another account, elderly grandparents trembled as a young adult screamed curses at them. And it is a horrible thing to witness. And God saw it. And God said, when I was running my country with my people, I would put you to death. Are you glad you live in the age of grace? But I would say that it doesn't give us permission ever to show that radical kind of disrespect to our parents. Or any kind of disrespect at any level. God calls us to respect, to esteem. Our parents. Why did God say that? I think that a big reason is that God understands that central to the stability of a society is the health of the family. And that when you start allowing children to live like this, it disintegrates, it erodes, and it undermines. And the next thing you know, it permeates our culture. They write songs about it, they make movies about it, they laugh about it, and they think that parents are stupid. And they think that they're enlightened, and they think that they have a better way, and they don't know that they're heading to hell in a handbasket. And they're just greasing the skids on their way to an eternal everlasting damnation as they scorn and mock and disregard their parents. God said we won't have it. We certainly won't have it among God's people. We certainly will not have it. Not like not with my people. That's not the way. Now, I'm not calling for the death penalty. I'm just saying you had better watch out. There's an interesting verse we'll not turn there, but I always I don't know, laugh or cry when I see this verse. It's Proverbs 20.20. 20. It's interesting that it's 20.20 because 20, it has to do with vision. It says that if a, if a child scorns or mocks their father or their mother, that the vultures will pick their eyes out. What is that all about? I think that it's a reflection on the fact that under the law of Moses, young people who entered into rebellion, who scorned and mocked their parents and cursed them, or hit them, or to be taken out by the elders outside the city gates and stoned, and left there, and eventually the vultures would get to them, and the first thing vultures eat are eyeballs. It's an ugly picture. It's very graphic. God's not messing around. And the fourth thing is caring for them. Just listen closely. 1 Timothy 5.8 1 Timothy 5.8 says But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That applies to children taking care of their their mother and their father. We honor, we show honor by caring for our parents. Number one, by obeying our parents. Number two, by listening to our parents. Number three, by respecting and esteeming our parents. Number four, by caring for our parents. I know that this particularly hits the in-between generation. Those sometimes are caught in a... A squeeze you 've got children to raise you 've got young adults in college, and now your parents are aging, and you don 't know what to do with them and I want to call upon our church to take this very seriously that God expects us to take care of our aging parents. I know that there are all kinds of questions there 's all kinds of monetary issues that come into play. we need wisdom, you need to pray for wisdom, but at the least, you need to enter into this season in your life, and we need to teach our children. That in our minds and in our hearts, we are committed fully to the care of our aging parents. I am to take care of my parents when they are in need. I'm not saying that you can't use professional help. But I am saying that you had sure better interrupt your life to care for your parents. Don't find yourself saying, well, I couldn't do that because then I couldn't coach Little League. Then you better quit coaching Little League. I wonder what your mom thought the day that she told your dad that you were coming along. Patted her tummy a little bit. Did she think, I hope that nothing changes in my life. I'm going to be able to just keep up my career goals. How long did you interrupt your mother's life? At least nine months? Huh. One year, two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, you're in school now, you still interrupted your mom's life, let me tell you. 7, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and you're still interrupting her life. And so when it's our turn to care for our parents, we don't need to think in terms of is this going to be over in a year and a half. We do what it takes to care for our parents because that's how we show honor to them. However, God gives us the wisdom to do that. Finally, and obviously so, we honor them by loving them. Remember, and we've been reviewing weekly Jesus' words to the Pharisees, we know what the greatest commandment is. It's the sum total of the commands. We do this because to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might and mind. And the second is like unto it, to, to do what? To love our neighbor as ourselves who is a closer neighbor than your mom and you don't love her you're not caring for her oh remember one of the wise crack lawyers said to Jesus in Luke chapter 10 but who's my neighbor How do I know who I'm supposed to love? And that's when Jesus goes on and tells the story, well-known story, of the good Samaritan, the guy who's beat up, falls among robbers, left to die. The priest comes through, goes to the other side of the road. The Levite comes through. He's not going to have anything to do with it. And then the Samaritan comes, and it it held so much meaning to them in these racially charged cultures, this racially charged time in history when Jesus was telling the story when a Jew and a Samaritan would have nothing to do with one another. And Jesus is simply pointing out at some level, that everybody I encounter is my neighbor, who more so I ask again than my father and my mother. And so if I'm not obeying and listening and esteeming and caring and loving my parents, listen closely, I'm not honoring my father and my mother. And I'm telling you, if you're not honoring your father and mother, you're living dangerously. Let's move quickly to conclude our time together because I want to hear a few testimonies here right at the end of our message. Words of honor for our mothers and specifically our mothers and especially some of you who have your mother with you. I'd like to have you speak a brief testimonial of words of honor about your mother. I want us to look back at Exodus chapter 20. So the first thing we've been looking at here is number one our personal responsibility. We are all called to honor our father and mother, and we're talking about what that looks like. Secondly, I want you to see as you read this statement, and I think it's obvious, honor your father and your mother. God says, he's telling it to everybody, this is a double-edged sword, but number two, he's, he's giving us a word on parental authority. He's giving us a word on parental authority. What I mean by the fact that it's a double-edged sword is that on the one hand, God is calling parents... To, to be weighty, to be elevated, to be honorable. And we have to ask ourselves, am I worthy of the honor of my children? And we've already talked a little bit about the extreme cases where you've maybe been in a situation or you've been raised in a home where you have been in very difficult circumstances with a dishonorable parent. This is the norm, though, for a father and a mother and a children to be together. I think that this parental authority concept is also the other side of the sword. Not only am I an honorable parent, but I have to recognize that clearly with this verse, God has inserted into the chain of command fathers and mothers below himself and above the children. And so there is a level of parental and spiritual authority in my life that is represented by my mother and my father. And this is how the outcome is. It works out like this. If I cannot honor my father and mother who have been given authority over me and and given a spiritual oversight of me, then I do not honor God. It's a chain. It's It's a ceiling that I have to go through to get to God. The ceiling of honoring my father and my mother. And there it is. I think that it's clear. Honor your father and your mother. And God, once for all, inserts this into the formula of his hand of blessing being upon someone. And so if you disobey, disregard your father and your mother, you are in essence disobeying and disregarding God because he says directly honor them and they are inserted at a level below himself. Third thing I want you to see in the verse this morning, which is really interesting, is this command comes with this promise And this blessing that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Deuteronomy chapter 5 says, so that it may go well with you. Lesson number three that we get from this has to do with just a practical longevity, a practical longevity. We're talking about, first of all, from this verse, our personal responsibility of honoring our father and mother. We recognize that God has inserted now a parental and spiritual authority in our lives, that if we're disregarding that, we are disregarding him. And finally, he says, it comes with a promise, and it is a practical promise, that of longevity in my life. You're saying, Pastor Van, you mean that if I'm not honoring or obeying, and I am I am disregarding and disgusted with my mom and dad, and I'm pushing them out of my life that I might not live long? That's exactly what I think it's saying. I say, like, come on. He like, say well, I know my cousin was 14 years old, and he was like the best Christian kid, and he loved his mom and dad, and he was so good, and he got hit by a car and died. So what does this mean? And everybody can tell those stories. My 21-year-old brother in Bible college, preparing for a life of ministry, honored never rebellious with my mom and dad, honored them, great, creative, smart, dies of leukemia at age 21 before he can graduate. What's that all about? I would say that living in a sin-cursed world, where the rain falls on the just and the unjust, that being part of the family of God and being under the blessing of God does not mean that God and His sovereignty has somehow put us underneath an iron dome of protection so that nothing can get to us. And that, there, that sin and evil is in the world, and God and His sovereignty somehow has allowed that to even impact His own people. We get sick, we die, our babies die, we are childless, we have all kinds of calamity, our houses burn down, we lose dogs in the street, and, and children get hit on bicycles. So I think really what this is, is a general principle. I think in Israel of old, it was the same way. They know that, but this is, this is an axiom. This is a reality of life that if you are obedient and you honor your father and mother, it's going to go so well with you compared to somebody who's rebellious and a stinkhead and fights their mom and dad and disregards instruction and doesn't like authority. I think about my buddy, Brian Loomis. I've told this story many times through the years played trumpet next to Brian Loomis in band. He was a good kid, smart kid. His dad let him drive his blue Chevy pickup truck to school every day in Vicksburg, Michigan. In about 10th grade, this is 1975, about 10th grade, Brian Loomis starts to smoke marijuana. I'm in a big public school there. You know, back in those days, marijuana was really good for you. It cured pretty much whatever ails you, and it was a good thing. Just don't smoke cigarettes, whatever you do. Walk down the hallway of our high school and big old clouds of marijuana would come out of the classroom. Sometimes the teacher would smoke with them. Some of those hippies coming out of Michigan State University. What's that all about? So Brian Loomis, he's a good kid. We're playing trumpet in band. You know, I think that Brian had good parents. I think that his mom and dad told him not to do that stuff. You leave that stuff alone. You make sure you drive slowly. You put gas in that truck before you put it back. Make sure you hang the keys up so I can find my keys when I come back in, his dad would say. I'm sure he did. Don't all dads say that? And he had a good mom and dad. So 11th grade, 12th grade, graduation. By then, Brian Loomis' eyes are never clear. By then, his grades have failed. He's still playing the trumpet, but he's way down at the end of the line, like last chair when he could be second or third chair, talented kid. Two weeks after we graduate, 1978, he runs his dad's blue Chevy pickup truck into oak tree. And a couple days later, they're buried him six feet in the ground. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I'm talking about being too smart for your parents. I'm talking about, about thinking that you, you just know everything and you know how it's going to be and you can handle it. You can't handle it. And God just lets you go. God will let you go. But they don't expect the blessing of God, and then you end up in trouble. You end up in all kinds of problems, and you say, why did all this happen? I'll tell you why it happened, because when you're about 12 or 13 years old, you started smart-mouthing to your mom. And you started disregarding your father, and you started not paying attention to your teachers. And God said, okay, go, go. I've told you this story before, too, about how this hit me in my mid-30s. Jonathan was a brand new baby. I'm holding him in my arms. We're at our house in Martinsburg. I'm probably 36, 37 years old. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I get up and I feed the baby. He's bottle-fed and he was a blessing from the Lord, dropped out of thin air. That's where babies come from. (laughs) 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm in the rocking chair next to his crib and I'm holding him in my arm, feeding him. You know how you're sleepy, but you're kind of thinking and I was praying and you think about all kinds of things. You think about your friends from back home and high school friends. And then with an overwhelming reality, I thought how blessed I am. My bills are paid. I'm not an addict. I haven't had affairs. My wife of about 15, 16 years at the time is asleep in the next room quietly. Our house is clean. The dishes are washed. Our 15-year-old, 14-year-old daughters sleeping it's doing great. I'm holding this little guy. I mean, life's tough. Life's not perfect. You know, the garbage disposal clogged and I had to crawl underneath the crawl space to get it unclogged, but... You know what I'm saying? And it just hit me because Eugene and Kay taught me to do right. And because I didn't fight my mom and dad, this is true, that it may go well with you Young people, you're still living at home if that's who I'm talking to right now. If you're fighting your mom and your dad, what are you thinking about? What is wrong with you? Do you just not believe this? Are you smarter than the Word of God? Listen, God means what He says. Live it out. No one loves you more than your mom and dad, so why wouldn't you come in under their instruction? Because if you can't stand your mom and dad, it's exactly the same thing as saying, I can't stand God. Don't tell me any other way. It's exactly what it means here. You want the blessing of God? Humble your heart. Let's pray. And so, Father, we um, just bow humbly in your presence today. We're grateful for your great grace in our lives. And most of all, we thank you today for the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves us, that cleanses us, that gives us the opportunity for brand new beginnings. Father, thank you for moms today, for mothers, for your marvelous plan, how it cannot be improved, even though our distorted dirty world is trying to change the texture of homes and what parents look like. Nothing compares to having an honorable father and mother to watch over us, to raise us up. So help the moms and dads here to live according to your word and to keep short accounts with you and to model godliness. And for the young people here today, Lord, that they would take very seriously their personal responsibility to honor their father and mother before they scar their lives in irreparable ways. I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction and challenge, (coughs) confront on these realities. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.